Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. Remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you, I talked about this last, this last week, people. I, uh, I took the yoga class. Now, it's funny. People were saying, oh, did Joanne talk you into it? And I'm like, no, I just want to do yoga. I'm high strung. I need to stretch more. I do cardio. Cardio bores me. So I went into the yoga. And it's funny because the gym I go to is a, a below what used to be an old folks home. And now it's mixed. But everyone there has a membership. It's part of your rental. And, and first of all, there's a ton of old people's places in Burbank. We live around the corner from one. And you always hear ambulances picking these people up. I mean, they're going. And if you don't know this, if you live in Burbank, if you pay $4 a month on your electric bill, that covers free ambulance rides. So I just, I just wanted to go to, the, I just want to go to the hospital to get an ambulance ride for free because they're usually like $1,500. But I go to the class and there's like these, it's, and it's funny as I'm like, I'm like one of the youngest people there. But it just amazed me. Like there was this old lady, little nice little old Jewish lady. She's like, oh, it's your first time. And she must have been 75. And this lady had the most flexibility. I was like, it's insane. So I start doing it. I have no idea what I'm doing. And I'm, I'm cheating looking around at people. And, and, and I'm going to tell you one thing, though. It is, if you've never done it before, it kicks your ass. It is unbelievable. I sat there. You're in positions. And this is the basic stuff. And it was just amazing. So I hurt for like the next day. And I, I'm afraid, sort of afraid to go tomorrow, but I'm going to go. So anyway, we have a great guest. We have a very good actor, funny actor, Tim Bagley. Uh, have you ever done yoga? I did yoga once. And, you know, it was very hard for me. But at the end, when they kind of talk you down and they, I ended up falling asleep. And uh, I, the next thing I knew, I woke up and, and my, my buddy was saying, man, wake up. Well, that's what happened to me at the very end. They do. It's yeah. called something because it's a certain term and I didn't know. And, and everyone just sits there and the lights go off and they put something on. That's and right. I, I don't know what I'm doing. And so I just... I guess it's like you play dead. So I just, I felt the same way, like I was going to go to sleep. I remember it reminded me of kindergarten nap time. <laughs> remember that? Oh yeah, it was always great. You sat there. I, it's weird because when you think about it now, because kids have such short attention spans that that could never happen. Like back then we loved it. Kids look forward to nap time. I still do. Yeah. <laughs> now we were talking off very, now you were born in Minneapolis, but then you, yes. went, you, you grew up in Madison? I, I, I grew up in Madison and uh, Niles, Michigan, and then uh, spent all my summers in Trempeleau, Wisconsin, and then moved out here uh, to go to Cal State Fullerton. Yeah. And I've been out here since. Now, as a kid, did you always want to get into acting or did you watch certain shows and say, God, I can do that? Like some people like with comics will say, oh, I saw Pryor, I saw Carlin, I said I had to do it. Did you want to be an actor as a kid or did you not know? I didn't really know. I didn't really think that it, that would be a, a realistic option. Uh, when I studied, we, the, but then I auditioned when I was in a senior in high school. I used to audition for the choir and, and not get in. Finally, my senior year, I got into the high school choir. That must suck, because like, I know when they, like, with the sports and everything, they put the list up, and it's like, it must suck, because you're like, because like, choir, I always thought... Anybody. Any, any, yeah, I thought if you any just showed up, fool. It, did you have a good choir? Is that why? Uh, I think our, the, our choir director's name was Mr. Hamburger, and I, and it really was. And his wife's name was Madame Hamburger, and she was my French teacher. And One time I accidentally vomited on her, so I think that he just didn't <laughs> want me in the choir. But um, I wasn't a terrible singer. I just... Uh, anyway, so I finally got in it, and then, um, you know, and then I... I auditioned for this group called the Young Americans, and and they were, you know, th came through our town, and that's what brought me out to California to sing and dance with this, this group called the Young Americans. And then I went to college, but I studied art 
and psychology, and I took an acting class as an elective, and I really liked it, but then, you know, again, didn't think it was really a realistic way to make a living. How did you choose California? Because, I mean, you're, I know maybe it was the weather you were tired of, because they're all very cold areas you're talking That's about. That's exactly it. I, I, I felt like I had, you know, two choices, New York or California. I knew I didn't want to grow up, I didn't want to live my life in a small town. Um, and so I didn't like shoveling snow. I didn't like the, the weather. So I chose California and I thought about San Francisco and then I thought about Los Angeles. And then when I auditioned for that group and I got in, I thought, well, I'll let that take me out there. And then, uh, you know, went to, to, uh, Cal State Fullerton and, uh, right after college, I took a class, an acting class. It was my first acting class up here in LA and it was with a man named Gordon Hunt, and his daughter was in the class, Helen Hunt. Okay. And there were like maybe eight people in there, and one of my closest lifelong friends uh, was in there, and her name was Zelda Rubenstein. And I saw her kind of go through the process of becoming famous. She was a little person in Poltergeist, and so she became famous, and I thought, boy, if Zelda can do it with the, all the obstacles that she has maybe I could do it too. And, um, and so that's kind of, you know, it kind of gave me the, the, the thought and that's where, it, where that developed. Well, I know you went, you eventually went to the ground. Yes, I did. Okay. Now, were, was that after you graduated college? Did you yes. Say, okay, now what made you choose the Groundlings? Which back then, I think it was the earlier, I mean, there were, it was back then, it was a lot different than now, I've heard. I heard back then, if you went in, there was a, a ton of talent and not as many levels. And I know now it seems like there's levels and levels and levels and levels and levels. No, I think it's pretty much the same oh, program. Really? Um, uh, what it was, let me see. I, I did, I was doing <laughs> I was doing a dinner theater production of Funny Girl, and Sherry Eichen, Stein Kellner, um, was Fanny Bryce, and I played the Ziegfeld tenor. And uh, and she had studied at the Groundlings, and I thought that she was so good. I thought that her work was so good, so funny, and emotionally available, and just really, really good. And um, she told me about the Groundlings, so that's what made me go. She ended up writing on uh, Cheers for many years and the Jeffersons and then creating uh, a show called Hope and Gloria and I that was one of my first jobs she put me on on her show that's crazy so yeah. the Groundlings well it must have been well, first of all how were you adjusting to California Was were, were you digging the weather or were you saying I'm never going back to Wisconsin or Michigan or in Minneapolis or the Midwest or anywhere were you just you I love California I love Los Angeles I love the weather here you know uh, my mom who's 87, just came out from Wisconsin to stay with me. Uh, she came out in January and decided to stay for three months uh, because the weather was so bad there this year. And, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a long three months. I can imagine. I mean, it's so funny because, you know, we grow up with them. And, you know, my mom has Alzheimer's. So if, you know, if I go, if she stayed with me, I, I, would, I would just go nuts. We have her in a nice home. And, you know, I, I feel so bad when you say home. It's not a home. It's like, like uh it's when you think of home, you think of like those old movies where, like, yeah, people, but it's in a assisted living. And, well, uh, and, and if she's got Alzheimer's, I mean, that's such a complicated, right. uh, you know, thing to, for a family to have to deal with. So, was it, uh, did your, did your mom dig the LA scene? Did she, she dig the traffic? Yeah, or? she was great. I mean, she's, she's still very much alive and living, and, and she's, you know, she was great. The thing that was, 
kind of funny was she she said uh she came she came here saying you know just i want you to let your agents know that i'm available for acting roles <laughs> so i had to kind of explain to her the concept that it's actually a skill and not something that just anybody can do and she would watch tv and she would say well there's an old man in a commercial i could do it he's he's just reading cards and i'd say well mom that's ed asner he's a skilled actor you know and and then a friend of mine uh, was doing a short film and asked if I would do a role in it. So I said, I said, sure. But I saw in there, there was a role for a little older lady. So I asked him if my mom could do it. And he said, sure. And I asked my mom, the first question she asked me was, how much will I get paid? <laughs> funny it's so true like and it's like my mom would be the same way it'd be like oh i can do it i can do that well okay you have the chance well yeah what is it yeah what's in it for me and (laughs) then did she do it and then and she did it she ended up doing it and um uh you know when she said when she she read it i i gave her gave it to her to read and she read it and she said i'm happy to do this but i don't know that i can bend all the way down to pick up the keys in that one scene i don't know that i can pick keys up from the ground and I said, well, if you can't pick up the keys, I can promise you there are other senior actresses in this town that can. <laughs> so, Did she enjoy it? She had a great time. And she really, you know, she was really oddly very good. She took it very seriously. She learned her lines. And one thing that she did that I thought was very funny was, you know, she started out, the line was something like, uh, you know, you're a nice man. Would you mind holding my purse for a second? And by the time she was done, she was like, improvising and adding more and she was like you're a nice man handsome you remind me of my son he's a cop too uh would you mind holding my purse so i can bend down i dropped my keys i was so anxious to get them out of i mean she was just going on and on she's probably more talented the people you're running through out here i know know. it's like she's like she walks well i would think it would be hard though i would think it'd be hard if like for someone older and you know she seems very full of personality when the director said cut if they had to redo a scene i could see like my mom would be like what's wrong with that scene not not in a bad way but like what's well cut why i i did the lines that's exactly right there was a moment when that happened when it wasn't in the script for her to scream but he steals her purse and runs away and my mom let out a blood curdling scream which to me was very funny and then but the director said that he saw the neighbors kind of coming out of their homes and looking to see and he asked her to not scream but he didn't tell her why and she came up to me and she said i would naturally scream if somebody took my purse i don't know why they don't want me to scream and i said well you know what you know mom and he hadn't told me yet uh what you know why and i said just just try something else so um the next time he took her purse and went away uh you know she looked at him with just rage on her face and she said what a creep and i thought it was very funny and i just thought you know, that's kind of like she ended up figuring out how to be an actress. And then the next day we were watching TV and there was some commercial on with an old lady. And my mom was like suddenly like, I don't believe her. I don't find her authentic or genuine. And I thought, okay, so now she's, you know, she can say that she was an actress. That's funny. <laughs> you'll, you'll check. You won't know that she'll check it like in a week. She'll have an IMDb page. Oh, yeah. And you'll be like, what, exactly. what, what, what is this mom? We'll have one credit. But you exactly. go, I, I act. My mom would be like, Stephen, I acted. I can put it up there. I can get the credit because I am an actress. Exactly. Just like I tell Joanne when we watch a UCLA game, I went to, I took one class there. And I always, I always crack up in LA because people always like, if you go to watch the USC UCLA game, these people are just arguing like none of them went to the two schools and I, yeah, I'm right. like I mean I remember my friend tweeted me one or 
texted me, oh, UCLA wins. And he spelled wins wrong. I'm like, well, I guess he didn't go to UCLA. <laughs> but I, yeah. always, I took one, when I worked in the marketing field, I took uh, one my company I worked for sent me to a marketing class. So I always joke with her and I go, oh yeah, well, I, you know, I, went, to, I went to UCLA even though I took one class. <laughs> yeah, That's right. like your mom's probably like, well, I'm an actress now. So, okay, so, so you do, you're doing the Groundlings. Now, now are you you're doing well? Are you enjoying the Groundlings? Yeah, I, 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 I did it uh, until 95 and, um, and I loved it. I thrived there. I, I, I had a great time and, and, uh, um, and I've been, you know, working professionally as an actor ever since. So that really, it was really a great training ground for me. And then I taught there for a long time as well. Now, what's it like teaching? Because I always think, my feeling with teaching is this. Well, first of all, you're an accomplished actor. So I understand. Like, I, I always crack up when it's like an actor that you've like, not a teacher who's like an acting teacher, or, like, a great teacher. But I always laugh sometimes when it's, a, when it's an actor who was like in one role 35 oh, years right. ago. And like the guy who played Larry on Three's Company. And then yeah, he was right. teaching acting. I'm like, well, if he knew... How, like the acting teachers that specifically teach that's what they teach it's like an economics teacher they know the craft but I always laugh when that's someone like that who's if they know how to act so well right. why haven't they booked anything in 35 years but for you is it is it weird when you, you have to teach some people like what if you come across someone who you feel really isn't that talented and you want to help them but you don't want to break their spirit is that would that, is that, is that hard for you at all? Um, well for me uh, I, I I actually I miss it. I haven't taught in a while, but I, I actually love teaching. And for me, what it is, is uh, I can kind of, um, I can see, I think that people by nature are funny. Okay. And everybody kind of has their own kind of, you know, humor and, and pain and pathos and all that. And and for me, one of the things that got me started teaching was I heard a couple of teachers there at the Groundlings say, you know, um, you know, that somebody was wanting to write about their life and they said, I don't want to hear that crap. You know, I wanted them to create something. And I thought, no, I want to hear about that right. life. Like to me, that's the interesting stuff, the people, the characters that are in their lives. So that's kind of what got me teaching. And then I, ho I just kind of went to it with the attitude of, I'm going to find, I'm going to zero in on what each one has that's kind of special and unique for them. So that they all, you know, they all, to me, have something even if they they don't know how to present it there might be something odd and strange about them that that so they'll never work as an actor but i can still see what is funny about them and i try to bring that out well i think that's cool i think that's a you know it's i the groundlings is such a good place and it's good you, you taught there and it's, that's something that you know Roy says a lot about you that you could teach there i mean that it's not like any guy can just walk in off the street and teach there but that's great so now what what year did you start teaching well i was still in the company so it would have been around on uh, probably 90 91 92 because okay. i look at your i look at your resume and it's like your first uh like you're listed your first tv listing here is uh coach you, is it? Yeah, because you have you have mistress and you're Mitch's singing students. You're uncredited. That's what I hate when they put that. They always put uncredited. Well, I'm going to tell you, I I contacted IMDb and asked them to take that down because I was an extra. Okay. I was a guy <laughs> standing around a piano, and they always put that. You know, they they put it on there, and it's it was kind of irritating to me because people would say, "Oh, you were in Mistress," and I would say, "Well, I was there for." you know, one scene and I was an extra standing around a piano. That's fine. I guess um, that's when they say uncredited. That's what it means now. Yeah. Okay. I mean, and so I, and they wouldn't take it down, but I, I guess whatever I, so my next thing was coach. Is that that's right? That's what it says. Yeah. That was oh, that's cool. I didn't even, I don't even, 
Um, and then I, I think that uh, uh, the mask with Jim Carrey right. was kind of my first. Now, what was that like? Job. You were well when you as you were teaching. Were you going out for a lot of auditions? Were you like doing commercial auditions and stuff like that? Yes, just, I you, did a lot. I've done a lot of commercials, so I did. I did a lot of that, and then uh, somebody. Uh, Fern Champion, who's a casting director, and Mark Palladini, they had seen me at the Groundlings, so they called me in for this role in uh, in The Mask. And I don't think I had an agent, uh, a theatrical agent at the time. And so, uh, and it just so happened that the director had also seen me at the Groundlings. So, you know, I read and things worked out, and uh, so that was my first job. Well, that's a really good first job to have. I mean, it's a, it was a hit movie, and Jim Carrey was a big star. What was it like? Were you were you nervous going onto a movie set? Because I mean, that's like I know the Groundlings live, and we on, on, do a live performing. But that's like showbiz. I mean, that's like a big set. Were you had you been on movie sets before? Well, no, I hadn't been, but I wasn't really nervous. And if you remember, um, Jim Carrey at the time, uh, the, he had been on a show called In Living Color, right. but. Um, Pet Detective hadn't come out yet, so he wasn't really known as a movie star yet, and uh, and so he was, you know, really cool and just you know talking about all the you know I remember him being very ambitious and talking about all the things that he wanted to do, and um, and you know very accessible and you know just a great guy and uh, um, for me I wasn't really an- intimidated by him or the set because I just didn't know any better. I just, you know, we didn't really know who Jim Carrey was yet. Um, I, I, I think the only time I, I remember I was, I did a, a series called the court with Sally field. And I remember I was really intimidated by the fact that she was Sally field. Right. And, and I had this experience and then afterwards I just decided I, I'm not going to ever be intimidated by anybody again. But what what happened was, you know, I met her and she was, I was supposed to be her kind of confidant and best friend and she was a Supreme Court justice. And we met very briefly and then we had to do this kind of scene where I come to Washington and I grab her her uh, box of things and they're on a roller and I hand her a coffee and, you know, to show this familiarity with her and I... I, my line was something like, um, you know, uh, you look more like a flight attendant than a Supreme Court justice. And But what came out was, I said, you look more like a flight attendant than a real estate agent. <laughs> <laughs> and you you always think, where does that come from? It's like, you sit there, I it's like, exactly. isn't that weird? You it sit there and go, why? And it it's not even like you screwed up a word. And we all do that. It's like, wh- how, she plays, how did you, I mean. I know. <laughs> and I was just so nervous by her being Sally Field. And then, and then I remember the director said, cut. And he came up to me and he goes, what happened? <laughs> And I said, I don't know. And she kind of said, well, maybe I looked like a real estate agent to him in that moment. <laughs> and I said, no, you pretty much look like Sally Field. <laughs> I think that's what happened. And then um, we did it again, and we got all the way through it. And at the very end of the shot, I had to pull this cart with this big box on it. The The cart got caught on an extra's shoe right by, that was a, playing a security guard right by the door. And I get through the door, and I just pulled that cart through the door, but the box came off. And so I just, like, pulled it through, and and it was so ridiculous that 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 I got that cart through, even though the box and everything fell off of it, that everybody started laughing. And once they laughed, I felt like, okay, they know that I'm, 
you know, not perfect. Right. <laughs> and then I was fine. See, <laughs> and then I just decided I'm not going to ever let anybody. So everybody that I've worked with since, even if I think they're fantastic, I, you know, and amazing, I, I just, I don't let it affect me that way. Okay. So you said, I love talk, talking like stories, but that's like looking at like your resume, how there's been so many shows you've been on that you have those stories. Like you worked, you were on Seinfeld for an episode. Yes. The thing about Seinfeld, that was one of my first jobs and I love seeing it. You know, they air those all the time. All the time. And what I rem- remember about that is I played a guy who was, um, it, it was a small part. I played like um, Jason's, Jason Alexander's girlfriend uh, her father had a store or something, a men's store. There was a, a, a guy falling asleep, a, a, a security guard falling asleep on the chair. And I was the manager of the store. So I get held up at gunpoint at the end of it. But there was, there's the, my favorite thing about that job is that you, when they show it, you can literally see me looking down, finding my mark, and then going and standing on my mark, and then looking up and saying my line. And it was... You know, I mean, it was like one of those things I hadn't learned yet, how to how to make how to look how to find your mark and not show people that you're looking for it. Well, what's funny about that is the episode is called The Maestro. So every That's night, right. every night, because it's on uh, it's on TBS like for three times and then whatever. I'm going to be looking for The Maestro now. When I see it, I'm going to go, I'm going to tell you, Sarah Jan, holy <clears throat> crap. I said, that's what he's talking about. So now, see, that's the stuff I love because people don't know. Like a lot of people who aren't in the business don't know what marks are. They just, I think they just think like you just walk in and you stand in front of a camera. You know, it's like they, they don't understand that it's plotted out where you stand because there's certain cameras but a lot of people don't know that which is it's just crazy when you think about it and when a lot of people who come out here like when I came out here I mean my background was in stand up when someone had me do a slate first I had no idea what they were talking about they're like people if you don't know a slate is you say your name they clip the board you turn your head but have you ever done anything like that you didn't know if there's anything have you ever been embarrassed on a set constantly I mean there's there there are always things that you know that come up that I'm not really sure Um, at this point I know I know a lot, but um, I'm sure there are still things that that could surprise me. But uh, sure, there's there's it's been a whole lifetime of not knowing and just kind of going through it anyway. Now you're getting a lot of roles, you see, like in Seinfeld and stuff like that. And then you said Hope and Gloria. Now, now that you knew the director on Hope and Gloria, uh, I creator. knew the creators, and I was called in to audition, and and uh, so I auditioned and got it. Yes, and that was recurring. That was recurring. Okay. Now, was that your first recurring? Yeah, I think it was. Now, what's that like? Because I mean, it's like I know, like I talk to people who say when you, when you go into the as a guest spot, they're, they're everyone's nice, but they're sort of like the people who are the cast are sort of like a family, and you're visiting. But when you're recurring, it must be great because it's like like you're the guy who you know comes home from college on the weekend. I mean, it must be because people are always glad. Like, hey, was was it a good experience? Yeah, it's always really good to recur and to feel uh, like you're a part of that group, and uh, you know there is. There is kind of a, you have to just be really confident to go in and be a guest star because I think a lot of times it it, it, it is weird because you are a guest and, and everybody knows each other and you've got to somehow kind of assimilate, you know? Um, so I, I, I always love recurring and I know that if they're calling me back and writing more for me that they're enjoying what I'm doing. So I... You know, I feel the love, and it's always good to go back. It must be. I also noticed that you know your background was the Groundlings, and you did a lot of comedy. Then you started doing drama. Was that was that a weird switch for you, or do you love doing both? Some no, people- I love doing both, and it's not a weird switch at all. To be honest with you, you know, all the acting classes that I take, you know, I, I usually that's the stuff that I do in 
in my in my acting classes. So I had been doing dramas for years before I ever really got to do them, you know, uh, on film or TV. And and it's you know it's just a shift. But what happens in in our business is people kind of see you in a lane, and it's really really hard for casting people and for producers or the network you know executives you know it's hard for them to see you in another position until they see you in that and right. then they're like oh okay i mean i just went out on another gynecologist after knocked up i probably have gone on 16 or 17 auditions for gynecologists and i think to myself you know i think you know people come on think literally they need to think outside of the box right you know <laughs> i mean it's like it's like they're you know they they get you in kind of a lane and and as an actor it's kind of up to you to figure out how to mix it up and and find other other avenues and other ways to show yourself because otherwise they will keep you in that lane that's just weird. Yeah, it's like, oh, look, it's like the kind of, like, you know, commercials will go, like, I would be like the bald guy. It's like, oh, the gynecologist, get that, get that Tim right. guy, get, get the gynecologist. And it's just so weird. It's such a random role that, that there's so many roles for gynecologists. And I mean, do you run into other same guys at the audition who are also in that gynecologist uh, uh, thing? I guess so. I mean, I see some of the same people, you know, but it's, it's just always weird. It was like after Monk, I remember after doing Monk, uh, most of the auditions I went out on were for people with OCD. And um, and so I think that what happens is, honestly, I think that people just kind of see, they have that visual in their head, and and it takes kind of a, a special casting director to think, you know, outside of that, to, to really think beyond that, um, and to see me, you know, to call me in for something else. I remember there was a casting director, Bruce Newberg, who called me in for uh, a man who murdered, mutilated and murdered Latina women. And I thought, where, how did he see me and think, <laughs> Oh, Tim Bagley. But I love that he did. Right. You know, he, he, you know, like something in him thought, well, I could see Tim Bagley doing that. And, and so to me, that's a creative casting director. Well, it's funny you say that because I had uh, Jeremy Ratchford who was on Cold Case and mm -hmm. uh, he had said in that certain time, he was like, it was like the rapist role. Like every show that needed a rapist, he got booked. And he said, right. and, and back then he goes, with the episodics, when you come on, okay, you know, it's like when uh, Brian Stepanek was on, he's like, okay, well, we need a pedophile. Oh, we'll get Stepanek. Yeah, or, right. Or we need, exactly. uh, you know, Brian Husky. Oh, Husky, we need, we need a, a nerdy guy. And it said, it's just, it happens with these casting directors. They get you in that view. You're right. And you just, it's like, I mean, how many, you know, in, how many times can you play like a jerk? It's like, it, it's like you sit there and it's like, okay, we need a jerk. Okay. Call Steve Cooper. But, we need <laughs> yeah. But if they, if they like what you did, they know in your mind, they have that visual. So when they see, oh, a, um. A gynecologist. Tim Bagley did that in Knocked Up and This Is 40. You know, he, he can play a gynecologist. They just see me in the white coat with the, you know, right. gynecologist's <laughs> tools in my hand. Um, and, and, and like now, I know on May 1st, I've got this film coming out at the San Sacramento International Film Festival called Unpeaceable, where I play a pedophile. And I, I'm kind of nervous about like getting stuck down that lane. Like I don't want to just be a pedophile, you right. know, <laughs> you know? Yes. I mean, it was fun to play. It was, it was, well, not fun, but it was interesting. Yeah, it wasn't I, I, fun. I had a blast playing that pedophile. It was amazing. <laughs> I felt really creepy playing it, but it was kind of, it was kind of interesting to, to be in a different lane. And, uh, 
and you know but it's it's one of those things where when you do something that's different that you know different than how people usually see you there's that and it's a drama and stuff so i uh, i i I worry that the next year or two I'm just going to be playing nothing but pedophiles <laughs> and I and I'm so much more <laughs> I can I can, I'm, not, I'm more than a pedophile I'm someone who can mutilate Latina women yeah, right. don't get me pigeonholed people yeah right um, I, know, I, I know I saw your thing you did a one man show ages ago I've done I've done a couple of them one um, was uh, Happy Hour was that one of them one was Happy Hour and one was uh, called uh, Clean Boy Dirty Stories now and, how did you come about trying to put a one-man show together well when i first left the groundlings uh uh around 95 that's when i did you know shortly after that is when i did my first one person show uh happy hour and and it won the the jury award at the aspen comedy festival and it was really kind of about my family and and about how different people hide and you know so and it was a lot of characters um the second one i did was called Clean Boy Dirty Stories, and I did that because um, I remember uh, one time reading a book about the Playboy Mansion, and I had been a butler for a year at the Playboy Mansion. You weren't you weren't a Marlon Brando's chef. No, no, that was that was. <laughs> we talked about people. Yeah. Wikipedia said he was Marlon Brando, which is just so random. Wikipedia lies. <laughs> it said that I was Marlon Brando's chef, and I was never Marlon Brando's chef. How did you get the job as a butler at the Playboy? I uh, it was when I was doing acting classes with Gordon Hunt and my friend Zelda Rubenstein knew the head butler, and she knew that I wanted a job on the weekends, you know, a part time job, and. Um, and so she hooked me up with the uh, head butler, and then he had me come in for an interview. And, and so I, I did it for a year. But, but why I did the show was because I was reading this book, and this playmate named Deborah Jo Fundren said, you know, something about the butlers saying, you know, we were all naked all the time, but, and there were butlers around, but it was like they weren't even there. And I remember reading that and thinking, oh, Deborah Jo, I was there. <laughs> I saw, I saw you, Deborah Joe, and um, and so I. That's what made me write that show, and I'm I'm actually writing a, a new show right now that I'm going to be doing um, on the 27th of May for the Groundlings. The Groundlings are doing a 40th uh, anniversary, and so they asked me if I would do a, a, a show, and so I'm I'm writing a new show right now that's called No Actors Allowed, and it's going to be just kind of stories actor stories being in the trenches out here and and so uh, you give, know, give, but, give me one of them like a little idea of one of them okay i love uh, stories okay um well since since i talked about the bruce newberg thing that particular audition um i went in i i i got uh i got a um an audition for this to play a a guy who, you know, rapes and mutilates Latina women. And it was like 16 pages of dialogue, and I got it, um... I got it the, uh... I got it right in between, right, you know, at the end of, uh, I was doing a play at the time, so I got off the play at 11 o'clock, and my appointment was at 10 o'clock in the morning, and so I had a very little bit of time to kind of find this whole other part to myself. So I, um, I, 
went to the audition. I went through it. I was, you know, I had the script in my hand. I was reading most of it. And there was one part where uh, the the um, helicopter is coming and looks at me. And it says in the script that uh, she, that, you know, I get shot in the head and die. And so I look at her and I realize that a sharpshooter is up there and they're going to kill me. So I say, can I say a bad word on here? Yeah. I say, you bitch. And then I shoot her. And um, so I said, you bitch. And I go to shoot, you know, imaginary shooter in this audition. And in the script, it said end. The casting director had put end there. But there was no end. So I don't know why I did this. There's nothing in me that is proud of this. Everything knows that it's wrong. But I kind of went, I put my hands over over my head and went, kaboom. (laughs) And... They laughed, and needless to say, I didn't get the role. <laughs> but it was like, th- weird things like that happen in auditions. Where oh, you, yeah, you, you always hear stories, and it's like people, and, and the money thing about it is that people about auditions, they say a lot of times is, so many times you walk out thinking that they just hated you, and you get a call back, and then there's a lot of times where you just think, oh, I aced that. <laughs> You're not, Absolutely. They don't even, and, you don't even hear from them, they don't even right. see you. Or or you get feedback. Yeah, he he didn't. You know, he didn't have it memorized, and it's like, <laughs> oh, I thought he did really well. <laughs> yeah, there's always that kind of stuff. Now you were in Will and Grace for a, a long time. I was. Now, I always talked about. I always it fascinates me because those shows were watched by so many people, and any fans, and now that they're in syndication, people like Joanne watches it all the time, and people watch it. Now, do you get recognized for not being on that show a lot? Because you have a, you've been in a lot of stuff, and I, a lot of times people, like actors, will sit to people will say, yeah, I know you, and then you say, well, what have I been in? And they're like, uh, uh, and they, they, they can't tell, they, right. they, they know you, but they're, they're like, I can't. But now, Will and Grace was such a huge show, and you had, you had a recurring character. Uh, did you get recognized from that? Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, I've had the kind of career where like I know Sean Hayes gets recognized from Will and Grace all the time. You know, I've had the kind of career where people will come up to me and know me from different things. When I'm back in the Midwest, they remember me from according to Jim or from Employee of the Month or something like that. For um out here in LA, you know, a lot of people know me from Will and Grace. You know, different it's different people know me from different things. Uh Oddly, when I go to the airport, it's a lot of people know me from Monk. Okay. <laughs> so, um, but uh, with with Will and Grace, the thing that was interesting about that one was I, I, I didn't really realize I was on the show and doing the show and I, I was in San Francisco on business and getting ready to get on a trolley and I kept hearing somebody yelling, Larry, Larry. And I looked over and this guy looked like he was looking at me, but he was across the street and he came, you know, kept going, Larry. Larry, and I, you know, was waiting for the trolley, and and he comes running across the street, and he goes, you're Larry, right? And I said, no, I'm Tim. And he said, but aren't you Larry on TV? And I I thought, Larry? And I realized, I didn't even realize my character's name. (laughs) Like, I knew we were Larry and Joe, but I didn't really know my character's name. And then he said, "Um, my partner and I uh, just adopted a child, and we named her after your daughter. And... For the life of me, I couldn't remember what our daughter's name was. <laughs> and and if this was back like when I, it was during the time that I was doing this show, it's like you do the job and you don't really, you know, you, it's all make-believe for me. So I don't really know what, you know, what's going on. And so that was, it was one of those moments, though, where I thought, wow, 
um, that was one of the times where I first realized, okay, so this role, people are, people are identifying with this, this, uh, this character. So that was one of the first times I think I'd been on it for maybe one season. See, that's just interesting. It's just so funny when people recognize you and then they know, they probably know more about the character than you do and you yeah. play it. Cause the thing is, I think cause they watch it so much. And as I said, if you, if you do it, I'm sure, do you, do you watch yourself on no, shows? Not always. I mean, sometimes, but really not always. And, and people do, they, they will say lines to you. They'll like parrot lines at you from jobs that you did, you know, 15 years ago. And, and I don't remember, you know, one time I was at, uh, pavilions in west hollywood and this guy kept following me around saying some line about a hot dog and i didn't know i i was trying to let him know that hey, you know what guess what it's not going to be that kind of party for you today pal keep it moving you know i i didn't know what was happening but he kept saying hot dog and then he said weren't you the guy weren't you in austin powers and i i said oh oh yeah and i realized he was saying a line. i you know said something about a hot dog and austin powers and i had forgotten and I just didn't know what was happening. So that stuff does happen. See, yeah, that, that makes sense, though, because once again, people watch these movies and people, it's not, especially now, it's not like back in the old days, like you would see All in the Family and you'd see it once and, and maybe they would do reruns, okay, in the summer. But now if you're in a movie or, and you've been, you have a, a very uh, big body of work, there's probably somewhere in this country Every day you're on something. I mean, with because now reruns they rerun and people just right. constantly watch it. So they they know they see your role that you did for that you know whatever thing they see right. that ten times a year and so it's instilled in them. So they probably think they really know you. I was in a store the other day. This was a very weird thing. I was in a store in South Central, a grocery store, and. I stopped in to get Altoids and I go in there and I come out and there's a guy and he looks at me and he, he looks at me and he points and he goes, Skittles. And maybe 18 years ago, I did a Skittles commercial. And, well, which one? What did you do in it? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, I had like a beard and um, like this long beard that kind of reached out and fondled this girl's face. And she was at an, I was at an interview uh, trying to get into something, and then I offer her a Skittles with my beard. It, it was a real creepy, weird <laughs> commercial, <laughs> and and so he goes Skittles, and he goes, "Weren't you? Didn't you do Skittles?" And he goes, "The beard, right, man?" And and I I I was just shocked that anybody a remembered that, and b that all these years later, you know that that he could look at me and I without a beard, right, and think, oh, this middle-aged man. <laughs> you know, did a something twenty years ago that I remember. You know, it was just odd. It's yeah, it's so weird. It's cause, but there's some of the commercials people just remember. But I mean, I I have it like everyone says I have an idiot savant memory. Like when it comes to shows, like you know, if you say name the cast of Barney Miller, I can name all the guys right. who are there. Or and you know, and then you know, Max Gale played Wojciechowicz. You know, and all this weird stuff. And friends from mine in college, they call and they go, "Who is that guy who lived in a?" H dorm. I'm like, oh, you mean Billy Nittinger? Or, and they're like, but for me, I wouldn't remember a per person with a beard in a commercial from 18 years ago. I know it's cr it was crazy, but I I got to tell you, I'm the exact opposite of you, Steve. Like how you remember names and do all that. I'm the exact opposite. It's 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 fascinating to me when people do that, and a lot of like casting director friends do that. They can they know names and 
faces they just remember and catalog in their minds. But see, I don't remember last week, but I remember you yeah. know, 15 years ago. I mean, I mean, Joanne knows I forget stuff all the time. She's like, I told you that. I'm like, oh, and it's not that I'm not listening. It's just that I... Well, I, I, maybe I, a little bit. I forget. So, maybe a little bit. <laughs> so let's talk about Monk. And now um, Monk was... I started watching Monk later. And uh, I don't know why. It's just, it's so weird when you watch TV. And that's the one thing now when they repeat it, you can find it. And that's why I love when I, a lot of my guests have been guests of Monk. Mm-hmm. That's what I, I always love. And that's one of the ways I get my guests. If I watch on TV and I go, man, that person looks familiar. I know that person. Then I IMDb him or I, I push the remote and it says the episode and I find out. And that's how I like, I hit up you because I've seen you in Monk and I know Joanne loves Monk and I said I gotta get him a Monk and then you were luckily you're one of the people that had a website because some people don't have any social media at all I mean you try to find you know they don't have Twitter they don't have this and you're like well you can't get in touch with them you're not gonna you know I'm not it's not that much time I'm not gonna sit there and go okay well I'm gonna specifically go for this person right. but for Monk I started watching it and it was just such a good show and you, you were the nemesis and you got and the thing is he, uh, Tony Shalhoub, uh, Shalhoub, was it Shalhoub? Shalhoub. He is so good in that role. Amazing. And so what was that like? It must have been, as an actor, it must have just been a blast because you guys both are basically playing, you know, people who have issues, but you're making it entertaining and you must be great just playing, being on par with an actor who really kicks ass like you kick ass. Is that just a great experience? Well, thank you. Um, I had the best time. Uh, Tony is an amazing actor and a, a great person, very generous and, and kind and funny and smart and all those things. And he, um, I auditioned. It was, it was, the breakdown said it was for somebody, an older man in his 70s. And, um, and so I remember sitting in the room with all these older men thinking, oh my God, I'm so much older than I realize. <laughs> yeah, well, how did, I mean, how, did your agent just say we want to get him in for I mean, that's sort of weird. You know what it was? The casting director thought of me. Okay. Uh, based on just the, the character, you know, but, um, but it was written for an older man. And then, um, and then I auditioned and, uh, uh, there was a section in there that were in the first episode that we did where the magazines were kind of, um, we were in a waiting room and we discovered that we both had the same mental disorder and we both shared the same therapist. We both had OCD and we got into this kind of competitive thing about how the order of the magazines. And it just said kind of a general thing about that. So when we actually shot it, we, we improvised it and Tony had such a good time. We had so much fun kind of playing with, you know, he had them in kind of a triangular thing and I had them in threes. And so, um, so we just kind of improvised it and it came about and then they just started calling me back and, and, and always putting in stuff where we could play and improvise. And, and, uh, so we just we just had a great time. It must have been also for you. It must have just been exciting. It's like when you're going back, you're probably like, "Wow, this is going to be a really fun day." Exactly. Like I'm sure there's like sometimes when they say, "Okay, you're going to play a pedophile." Oh, really, a pedophile again? You know, but but that it must be like okay, because and you you had the rapport and you worked together. So it's probably it's like I used to compare it when when I did comedy. You wouldn't work for a comic for like six months, then you'd be on the road together for like a weekend. It was like nothing, no time lapse. You'd be walking, right. you had that same thing. Like oh, it was like a, a right away a rekindling right right that's right um you know it it was just it was a great job to work for i i had a great time working for them and and working with tony and and the whole group it was just a one of those really great experiences um 
one thing that was kind of fascinating about it is that the uh, creator and writer, the head writer, uh, lived in, I think it was, um, it was somewhere on the East Coast, like New Jersey. And so whenever we would do table reads, they would have a speakerphone, and we were doing it around the speakerphone. We would read around the speakerphone so that he could hear it, and he would hear it, and then make whatever changes. Uh, but it was just kind of fascinating how, you know, I, he never came out. I never met him. He was back in Jersey and and did his thing. And I, I, I have this feeling that maybe he was a little bit like Monk. Monk. <laughs> well, that would make, and, and that's just so weird also now with like technology and stuff. Like people can Skype and all that. But it's just, it's amazing that someone is basically running a, a show that's a huge hit and he's not, not leaving there. his house. He's just sitting right. there. He's probably sitting home like, because the monk always wore the same. He probably had the same yeah. outfit on and he just, I mean, that must be cool though. It's just like, it's like, I'm like, almost like Charlie's Angels. Like, you didn't see him. You know, it just, he, I know. It was over. really, it was, I remember the first time we sat around, I was, I was just kind of looking around at people like, are you kidding me? And it, and they were all just used to it. But, um, uh, you know, that's every every show has its own kind of personality and its own kind of vibe, and and every movie experience too. It's each job. Well, you you've been a lot of recurring. Now you're also on web therapy, which yes. was um, now was that a, a you were on every week and uh, I no, I wasn't in every week, but I did. I've done a lot of them. As a matter of fact, I just did uh, some yesterday. Okay, so it is okay because no, because we were wondering because. I, I watch Californication, and I always look for Sunday nights, like this week, um, Veep starts again. And yes, I'm Veep, looking forward to and seeing And Silicon that. Valley looks very funny. It was right. my judge. But I always think, because I was thinking this year, I'm like, okay, the House of Lies used to follow Californication. Right. And it's so weird, because you don't know, like, the shows are on, and I had uh, um, Kathleen Rose Perkins from Episodes on, and it's like, that show's been on three seasons, that's been four years, so you don't see a show for like a year and a half, and so right. it's always, so when does web, when does that start up again i don't know when it's going to air again but i know that this week they're shooting and uh uh i don't know I, you know i can't really say what any of the story stuff is about but i know that uh uh john ham has done one so far and deck shepherd and uh, uh lauren graham so i know that they're uh, and then i did i i've been you know i did my episodes and so so we I finished that on uh, on yesterday, and so I don't know when those air. Isn't that weird? It's like you get done a job, and then you sit there and you go, "Okay, I don't know when it's." It's like it's just it's sort of be it's like you're done that, and it's like then they say it comes on six months from now. You're probably like, "Wow, I can't believe I just started six months ago and it's just coming on." Yeah, that happens a lot, and people are always. I'm really bad about knowing when. That's why I have a website. I try to keep on top of it, but. <clears throat> but you know, um, I'm really bad at at knowing. Like, I probably should know when web therapy is going to air, but I don't. Well, yeah, it's it's so hard to find stuff out like that. Now, now, Quick Draw. What is Quick Draw? Quick Draw is a web series that um, I did with John uh, John Lair and Nancy Hauer, uh, and it's it's kind of. I mean, it's a western. It's shot in a western town, but it's done with kind of pedestrian language and you know it's all improvised and it's just kind of a silly take on the old western genre and now is that on amazon or where do you find that or that is on logo okay now as 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 a for a western did you have to ride a horse uh i 
did I have to ride a horse? I did. I've done two two seasons now, and I don't think I ever rode a horse. Have you ever but, ridden a horse? Oh yeah, I I had to ride a horse once for a commercial, where I I um, played Paul Revere, and I remember telling them they would ask me, Are "You sure you can ride a horse?" And I would say yes. And in my mind, I thought, "How hard can it be?" <laughs> And uh, you get on a horse, you sit, you hold on, you know, what's to it? And then when they actually, you know, when the night before they, they, you know, it was to come down who got it, they called me and said, they need to see you riding a horse tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. at the equestrian center. And I remember panicking and I called my mom and dad and I, you know, I said, I've got to ride a horse tomorrow. And my mother said, you can't ride a horse. And I thought, why do I go to the well when I know the well is dry? <laughs> and I go to my closet and I thought, what do I, what does somebody wear <laughs> like, yeah, when they ride a horse? Yeah, like I mean, <laughs> do I have a gingham shirt? I didn't know what to, and then I just thought, you know, you're just going to have to go do it. And I went, got on the horse, it, you know, it galloped around the ring a couple times, then it came to a stop on its own. I got off, I shook everybody's hand, I went i remember to my car and my hand was shaking with the keys in it like i couldn't get the keys in the hole because i was in i was so traumatized and i got home and i had gotten the job so then the next three days i was on a horse you know doing this and you know it turns out i can ride a horse that's funny no because it's one of those things people always lie on resumes and they put you know like for the acting it's like but that one you you got it. I got it, and I did it. And I remember when I got to the job, they said, if there's anything you can't do, this is Jimmy, and he's your stunt man, <clears throat> and just feel free to have Jimmy do it. And I remember I did give Jimmy several tasks. <laughs> That's funny. Now, you were, were you in a pilot of Hot in Cleveland? Yes, I did a couple episodes of Hot in Cleveland. Now, because it's funny, because a, a comic of friends with Bill Dwyer was oh, on the yeah. pilot. And he That's was, right. He was the reason. He was Arvin. He had some weird name. We were I about, remember Bill. And he played, uh, I guess, Wendy Malick, left him to come back That's to right. Cleveland. And it's just funny when I saw a pilot. What was it like? Work? Did you get to do scenes with Betty White? Yes, my scenes, were, my stuff was with Betty and the girls. And what I remember about that was... Um, I remember being really excited to see Betty White and... and Had you met her before? Uh, no. Okay. And, you know, we did the whole show. We, you know, we did the whole week of rehearsal and she was great and everybody was great. And uh, I, what I remember about it is when all three of the other girls were with me, I, I sold them the house. Um, I was a real estate agent that sold them the house. And so... So they were all kind of standing there with me, and they said, there's one thing that we have to tell you about that comes with the house. And all of a sudden, Betty White walks in. And I just remember the audience going crazy, clapping for literally like five to seven minutes. They were just clapping, and she just stood there kind of taking it in. And I remember the other three girls all were looking at me, and they all got very teary-eyed, and kind of, they were so happy for Betty. And I thought these are three really decent girls, and and if this show goes, it's it's gonna do it's gonna be a joy for all of them because they were just decent. They were right. just really good, you know, loving, lovely people. And um, and so uh, I just remember what a that moment of when she came out, and then she knew all her lines, and she was just solid. And I. She just knocked it out, and I thought she was amazing. Which well, is amazing. I mean, she's been doing it for so long. She's been working forever, and 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 consistent work. It's not like she does something. I mean, and so how 
even though you get older, it's like I always say, like with musicians, you know, if you see Springsteen now, you know, even though he's 62, he's been, everyone goes, oh, well, he, he's too old to rock. No, they've been doing it for so long, right. they get better. It's like right. anything. If you, the more you do it, the better you get. And I don't care if once you're 90 or 92, however she is, it, she, it must be like second nature to her. It just must be like easy. Yeah, but I mean, you know, she's an older lady. I right. mean, she's she she's older, but she she's just amazing. The, the one thing that I always think about, and I hope I remember this when I'm older, um, we were in the makeup chairs one the second during the second episode you know we were having being made up at the same time and all of a sudden she go she grabs my hand and she goes oh my god come here and she grabs my hand and we go out the the door right there and she said look and she points up to this guy and there's this rainbow and she had seen it in the mirror or something right there while we were we were being made up and she just stood there kind of holding my hand looking up at this rainbow saying isn't that beautiful and just taking a moment to kind of look at that and and then we went back in and I just remember thinking that that's probably the very part of her personality that keeps her um positive right. and and just so proactive you know we we have about 7 minutes left I want to talk to you about you said this is 40 you uh you work with Judd Apatow yes no it's funny cuz I met Judd at Dylan's Candy Store in New York oh wow there and what doing stand up no 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 I met him we were just me and Joanne were up there and I was sitting there and I know from him from where he did stand up just I don't know him I mean I'm friends with Adam McKay who knows right. just different people and but he just if you're in the business you know what he looks like but of right. course no one else in New York City knows who he is so, I mean they you wouldn't see him and go hey that's Judd Apatow and so I saw him at Dylan's Candy and I was like wow. you're Judd Apatow and then his wife came up with all their kids and and we always we always laugh and Joy always laughs because when you meet directors and writers they're all just so laid back like they just you know the guy Tom Hertz who used to do uh, Rules of Engagement and he was on Spin City they just he walks around with his Mets hat on you know drives his old station wagon right. and it shows what was it like working with him because his movies are so big and it must it, was it fun yes I love working with Judd uh, I, I I absolutely love the way he works and he's you know, I remember the first time, well, the, the second time, uh, this is 40. The thing that was interesting about that one was with both of the scenes that, that I did, you know, he came in and he said, you know, I don't like the way I wrote these scenes. So we're just going to, you know, put them aside and work through this. And he said, I want you to hit this point And, you know, and then he said to his wife, you know, you hit this and we'll just kind of see where it goes. And, 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 you know, he's so easy and makes you feel so comfortable and safe. It's just, uh, he's a joy to work with. But I I remember I had memorized all these lines. <laughs> and so to just kind of cast it aside and it's just like, and, and, you know, the screenplay that he had written was amazing. You know, he starts with a really, really good screenplay and then he has people improvise. And with some of the scenes, he wants you to, you know, stick to the script, but in the two scenes that I did, he just, he didn't want to do it like that. So, um, so it was just, whereas the first time, you know, we stuck more to the script in, uh, in, um, knocked up, uh, in the scene that I did in that one. But it, you know, he's, he's somebody that I feel like he has really good taste. A lot of times what happens with improv in films is people will, it'll, it'll get, they'll take it so far away from the story just for a joke that the actual story doesn't seem grounded or real. And with with his stuff, I always feel like, you know, he keeps it logical and and 
errs on the side of logic and, and rather than just going for a random joke that takes you out of the story. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense because, yeah, it's, it's a product. It just makes sense. Now, do you love, do you love it when you get a chance to improv, though? Yes, I, I, uh, I do. I, I enjoy that. I love learning lines and having the control of that. that you know, I love that as well. Uh, but, but when they say that I can improvise, I always feel kind of, okay, it's a sense of playfulness. And, you know, there are a lot of people, um, that do that. I remember, uh, hearing in Wag the Dog that, uh, um, Robert De Niro just kind of improvised everything, you know, like he kind of, everybody else was doing the lines that were written and he just kind of paraphrased and improvised everything and I guess that's why I don't remember her name now. Um, the blonde actress that was in Wag the Dog, yeah, I, who went crazy, and she was a friend of Ellen DeGeneres. And Anne Hack. Anne Hesh. Anne Hesh. I shouldn't say she went crazy. Well, she, she let's was, just say she went through a bad patch. Yeah, well, she was in the middle of the scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, okay, we can say um, she's she's fine now. She's I, fine I, now I, and then, doing yeah. great. But she had a bad patch there for a, a bit, <laughs> quite a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and she said that her character kind of jumped everything and was real kind of skittish and everything because as a result of the fact that he kept improvising. And so I think that a lot of people do kind of paraphrase and improvise, especially in movies, not so much with TV, um, but since Modern Family and, you know, Curb Your Enthusiasm and stuff, I think that there are more people that do improvise with with TV. But um, uh, for the most part, my experience with TV has been they want it on the, you know on the nose as 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 it's written. But you enjoy that too, though. When, I do. I you know, love when that. You have, when you, you know you have to memorize the lines, and it's a whole I think more like not a challenge, but you have to memorize the lines, and you want to get it deliver them right. Yes, and you know what you have a sense a strong sense of what you're doing with right. improv. It's just kind of okay. Where is this going to go? <laughs> you know, but they they'll give you a structure usually, but um, but uh, yeah. So I I like I enjoy both. So what's coming up for you? What do we have uh, coming up? Well, I know I've got uh, an episode, something up from Bad Teacher. That's a show that's going to be coming okay. on. Um, I'm doing Uncabaret is something that I do. I just did Beth it Lapidus. last Sunday. Beth Lapidus. And I'm doing it, uh, the Mother's Day show. And I'm going to talk about my mom being out here for three months. Um, I've got uh, the um, on the first, the Sacramento International Film Festival Unpeaceable and then right now I'm just writing my this new one person show to do for the 40th anniversary are you enjoying that I'm enjoying it yeah um the, the, I like writing it and I like performing it. The hard part is going to be memorizing it. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you'll uh, be fine. But I'll be fine. So that's kind of what I've been working on right now. Do you tweet? I do. And what's your Twitter address? I am Tim Bagley. And your your website is? Uh, TimBagley.com. See that? And you got your name. See, I have CooperTalk.net because someone has CooperTalk.com and it doesn't have anything to, really? do, with, it doesn't have anything to do with talking. It's about some park in... Iowa or something. Oh, that's I'm like, just I'm like, unjust. And now I keep getting stuff from this guy going, goods coming uh, available. You can bid on like spam mail. I'm like, I'm not going to bid on it. It's so weird when that it's happens. Awful. I remember my first email address was teabag <laughs> at AOL.com. And I got the strangest things. <laughs> 
and I eventually changed it. I want, I want to thank you for coming on. I could imagine the stuff you would yeah. again. It was so nice to meet you, and I'm glad we could nice talk. Nice to meet you too, Steve. Uh, so uh, check him out on Twitter and his website. Also, people follow me on Twitter. It's at Cooper Talk. Also, you can go to my website, coopertalk.net. I have 240 episodes up there. If you have an Android phone, go to the Google Play Store, type in Cooper Talk, download the Cooper Talk app. It's free, and I have all the episodes there. Also, uh, send me an email, cooper at Indy100. Uh, love to hear what you have to say. Comedy-wise, every Tuesday I host crappy comedy at Jimmy's, Jimmy's Place on uh, San Fernando Boulevard in Burbank between Grismer and Amherst. The show starts at 10. It's free. I get some great comics. So, yeah, keep listening. And uh, please follow me on Twitter at Cooper Talk. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. And don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, and take your vitamins. You guys have a great weekend. <laughs>